podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to part two of the Q&A. I'm Les Bubka and you're listening to Anxious Black Belt Podcast. I hope you had a Merry Christmas and you enjoy your time with the loved ones, family and friends. We had a lovely time with kids, although very tiring. Kids are relentless um, and have endless amount of energy. I wish I had some. Ahead, let's crack on with the questions and I hope you're going to enjoy this one. So... Starting with a question from Nick. Again, Nick's always asking a very interesting questions, a bit complicated, so I had to write it down so I don't uh, drift away and lose the train of my thoughts, which is easily done with me. So let's have a look at the question. As Kata took a new Okinawan shape, was any emphasis put on disguising the application with, with simplified Kihon-like movements? Or is that the perceived simplification more a function of the kata being passed down through the different teachers over decades. So the evolution of kata, particularly as they transmitted from potentially Chinese influence to distinctive Okinawan forms, is a complex process with several factors at play. The perceived simplification of movement in kata can be influenced by both intentional adaptations and the natural evolution of martial arts traditions. As martial arts practices were trans- transmitted across different cultures and regions, practitioners often adapted techniques to suit their own needs and cultural context. Okinawan martial arts likely modified and integrated Chinese techniques into their own practices, emphasizing elements that were more practical or culturally relevant. The process of passing down kata through generations involves individual interpretations and teaching methods. Over time, teachers might emphasize certain aspects of the kata while de-emphasizing others, contributing to variations in movements and applications. Kata often serves dual purpose, practical applications of the self-defense techniques and the preservation of martial principles. While some movements in kata have practical applications, others might be more symbolic or stylized. The emphasis on simplified movement could be a result of prioritizing practicality or focusing on the core principles. Martial arts practices historically were sometimes kept secret to preserve technique or maintaining a strategic advantages. This could lead to deliberate simplification or hiding of the true applications within kata to protect the knowledge of from outsiders. Oral traditions plays a significant role in the transmission of martial arts knowledge. Different interpretations of techniques and movements within kata can emerge over time, contributing to the perceived simplification or variation in applications. The perceived simplification of a kata movement in Okinawa martial arts could be a result of intentional adaptation, teaching methods, cultural influences, and the natural evolution of the art form. It's challenging to point to pinpoint a single factor and the complexity of the process highlights the dynamic dynamic nature of martial arts traditions as they are passed down through the generations. And to add to that, 
as well you know everybody's changing them to their shape to their abilities so the kata keep constantly changing some teachers were better uh, trained so they have a deeper understanding on stuff and can do more with the kata others i think especially in the new age so since funakoshi promoted the uh, kind of do instead of jitsu uh, went very shallow with with the interpretations and they focused on sporting um, aspects and they copied a lot of stuff from um, judo kendo and so on so on so we could see that the three steps kumite and stuff like that that's all copied from from the sporting aspect of martial arts and with that distance then the applications of karate kind of went sideways uh, the grappling was removed and everything was a block and punch um, and as well you've got a lot of people who would like to make money on it especially in post-war japan when everybody was poor uh, some books describing that people just been buying books in shops and creating their own styles and systems and and without any knowledge about martial arts so they've just been monkey see monkey do copying stuff so i hope that that helps a little bit with the question thank you nick another question this time from bianca is karate helpful for menopause of course karate like uh, other forms of physical activity can be beneficial during menopause the exercising including martial arts might help alleviate symptoms such as mood swings insomnia and weight gain Additionally, it promotes bone health, which is crucial during menopause uh, through the uh, body weight exercises and stresses on the bones. It prevents the uh, osteoporosis. However, it's essential to consult uh, with a healthcare professional to ensure that the chosen activity aligns with individual health needs and conditions. Uh, I've done an episode on menopause and karate with one of my students Raquel and she found it really useful the physical activity um, although there are some drawbacks like um, uh, over sweating and um, tiredness and the brain fog um, but you know with everything the physical activity helps um, to relax the mind um, tire the body and uh, prevent the osteoporosis and as well it kind of boosts boosts the uh, testosterone and your um, hormonal system, which definitely is a positive thing for um, your body during the menopause. A question from Tracy. Uh, knowing what you know, if you were 18 years old again, in the prime of your life, with no prior injuries or health conditions, but with no physical martial arts experience, which style or system do you think you would begin your martial art journey with? Um, it would be most definitely wrestling um, or non related to martial arts straight away, but uh, gymnastics. So wrestling gives a great um, base for all the martial arts, the strength, flexibility, coordination, uh, and physical abilities plus 
the real skill of um, fighting is is the best for a startup. Um, you can learn quite easy the striking, kicking, but the grappling skills are quite difficult and the best to learn while you're young um, and your body is still <laughs> without injuries and stuff. And, and you know, wrestling emphasizes fundamental skills such as balance, coordination, body awareness. Those skills are solid foundation for all the martial arts and in general sports and, and the life itself. Wrestling also provides intense cardiovascular and strength training, enhancing overall fitness. The conditioning gain in wrestling can benefit practitioners in transitioning to other martial arts. And as well, you know, it, it just in life being fit and strong in a, such a um, versatile planes, the wrestlers pick up stuff from the amazingly strange angles and the physical strength is just beyond um average person person and and there's no many martial arts that can match that ability um wrestling also focuses extensively on takedowns fronts controlling on opponent on the ground and as we know now those skills are valuable in both self defense and martial arts you know if you can grapple grapple um it's a huge benefit to your self-defense skills um, because then you can be in a positions where you are not at the range of being striked. You can control the opponent. And again, that strength and flexibility just helps to um, control. And then obviously, uh, many of those skills um, are, are uh, transferable skills to other martial arts like sprawling, hip movements and hand fighting. Uh, and they can be translated into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and mixed MMA and in Karate, that grappling part is really helpful um, with kind of um, deciphering the moves from, from Kata. And as well, we, need, we, need, don't need, we have to uh, don't forget about the mental toughness. The wrestling is the really, really, really hard mental game. Uh, it instills mental toughness and resilience and the demanding, demanding nature of the sport helps build discipline, focus and the ability to handle adversity um, which are the essential qualities for the all martial arts and life in general as well um, the, the good thing about this is that there is a huge um, pot of fighters in wrestling on a high level so if you want to achieve anything you have to go through the hardship there is no short um, cuts you just have to go through it and because it's a sport and for winning you get best there is no hiding um, like in karate you can grow go for the karate grades and never have a single fight sparring or whatever and still be a high level black belt i mean in a grade like six seven and no nothing and never had the actual um scrap or uh confronting somebody who really wants to um injure you or win and dominate you and and i think this is the great part of wrestling that there is that drive for the for the win and you know the ultimate goal the olympics
Wrestling is also a versatile martial art that com complements various disciplines. Wrestlers often find success in MMA due to the ability to control the fight positioning. So this is the same what I was talking earlier. Um, the ability to control people with such a strength, flexibility and speed plus that mental toughness is really beneficial for any other sports and and controlling uh, controlling opponent is a, a crucial skill in self-defense area as well um, wrestling can focus on takedowns uh, on throws on controlling grips chokes as well although not so much depends which which style of wrestling you're doing if you you have a chance to do cut wrestling or you got the um greco-romano wrestling or freestyle they all have a different emphasis but they all coming from the core qualities of that flexibility strength mental toughness um so I, w I would definitely um, start with wrestling. I mentioned the uh, um, gymnastics. Gymnastics is in a way very similar to wrestling with the strength control of your body, positioning, flexibility and mental toughness. But obviously you don't do it with your partner. But... Being so flexible and strong in all the positions give you a fundamental base for any other martial arts. That's why my children are both going to gymnastics because seeing what they do now uh, and how easy it is transferred to the um, martial arts, or rather them being super fit, strong and flexible and then in the future do whatever sports they want and I'm sure that's going to be beneficial for them. So another question from Nick and uh, Nick asks what are some effective and efficient if that possible ways to stretch and strengthen the connective tissue that are heavily taxed by karate training example tendons in the wrist and ankles shoulder and hip joints etc well um, this is a lot of things you can do with it but and um, to stretch and strengthen connective tissues uh, Taxed by karate training can be a combination of dynamic and static stretches as well as ta targeted strengthening exercise um, like you know incorporating dynamic stretches in your warm-up routine leg swims are arm circles and hip rotations help improve flexibility and increase blood flow to the joints I like to do those um, in the warm-up because uh, there's some studies showing that um, static stretches on the beginning of the classes um, can cause a bit more injury in the dynamic sports. So I put those on the end. So hold stretches are um, good as a cool down when your muscles are properly warmed up and then you can do the um, hold stretches or PNFs and, and all the other stuff. Um, and it would be for um, wrists, um, extensors, uh, ankle circles, so shoulder stretches and hip flexor stretches. Um, those giving a relaxation and length lengthening and easing off the tension in the muscles. Um, 
We can do some isometric exercises um, to stretch, uh, strengthen the tendons, um, grip a stress ball, for example, sun chin, um, static lunges and hip and ankle strength. You know, so you're putting all those holds um, under stress and that's building the strength around those joints and those muscles. So standing in like horse stances and stuff like that. This is a very good tool, method to strengthening the legs and stuff like that. Um, I like to, to use a <clears throat> resistance training, so I use a lot of kettlebells, but you can use resistant bands, which I do that for some of the uh, my muscles. So I've got a problem with the with the chest that it likes to tear, and the bands are really good. And uh, it's great for shoulders and stuff like that. You know, you can use... Uh, Pilates on yoga, those are great movements to enhance flexibility and strength in the same time. Poses that you know, hold, that's a bit of a, as well, the isometric stretches, uh, strengthening there and stretches, you know, building a mobi mobility in hips and um, shoulders, that's good for you. Um, I like to use as well a targeted mobility exercises. So, you know, going through all the joints and taking them through the range of motion um, in a controlled manner. So the joints are getting lubricated, the uh, nervous system is getting used to it, to getting back the whole range of motions because sometimes a lot of people um, have a problem with their nervous system, that they had an injury and they never recovered. They recovered um, with the tissues and body but the nervous system didn't get the message and it's protecting that joint from the full range of motion. So through the targeted mobility, we can restore that motion. And I had a quite a good success with that with my um, uh, not so young group, um, where most of them now do the deep squat now, which they couldn't. Um, you can also use the like massage balls and other tools like foam rollers to release the tension and ease of that collective tissue, um, uh, help their uh, circulation and promote the recovery. Um, I also a fan of um, plyometrics and um, calisthenics. So the control plyometric exercises to improve the elast elasticity and of tendons and connective tissues. Uh, box jumps, the agility jumps, so quick changing of directions, it helps with the uh, strengthening all the legs and stuff and um, calisthenics help that build that control and, and is used with the um, body weight so it doesn't um, do that much of a taxing although if you're doing it it's very very difficult and uh, I'm still a beginner in it and most of the poses are way too complicated for me but it's a good way to strengthening with um, kind of safety measures so if you do it without hanging on the ropes or using just the ground um, it's fairly safe um, for your muscles because there's not so much um, weight on it um, all sorts of, of balance exercises um, to engage the stabiliza stabilization muscles around the joints um, you know single leg stance or balance board exercise can help strengthen ankle and hips um, I like to do the handstands and try to balance on this so it's that dynamic stability for the shoulders as well. 
Um, and you know, it's always with everything you start doing something, you take care of it, doing it um, lightly and in a uh, kind of well-structured manner. Um, but then you do that overloading and getting heavier, more complicated um, exercises. So it challenges that um, mobility, strength and um, stability. So we can go and do more complicated exercises and, and make that shoulders, knees, hips a bit more stronger and resistant to um, karate training. I like to always say that, you know, it's nice to keep to the good form, do less complicated um, exercise in the beginning and do the progression that, you know, control progression is very important. And as well, trying to find a balance between all of the um, exercise and routines mentioned before. So, you know, if, if you go too far with the flexibility, you might be having a... Um, unstable joints if you go too much with the weight training then you're gonna lack flexibility so all you know all balance balance way to do it is the way to do it now we move on to question from mike and if you could train with any sensei who would it be and why <clears throat> um i would like to train with uh hideyuki ashihara um because most of my karate is inspired by him. Um, I do like Ashihara system and how he moves. I think in the world of contact karate, he was way ahead of his time. So he come from Kyokushin, but he added a thing called Sabaki. Um, and he thought about Sabaki as a being in a blind spot. And I've got a flu fluid movements, counters, takedowns, sweeps. Um, and, you know, seeing his videos, um, I would like to train with him um, to improve my, my, my techniques, my stuff. Um, he had the most influence on, on my style. The question is very, very difficult because there's so many great people that I would love to train with. Um, and, and some I had chance to train, but they didn't take the opportunity. And unfortunately, the people pass away. Um, one of them would be Taika Oyata. Um, I've been training with his students, but I would like to um, train with the man. I had the chance to train with him in Warsaw, but I couldn't make the seminar. Um, the family was in a ways, but as I always says, family first. Um, I would lo also love to train Motob with Motobu Sensei um, to see his approach to the uh, classical karate. I would love to um, ask a few questions of Funakoshi. Um, I hope you get the answers why he changed things the way he changed and is, was that the intentional? I would like to explore the um, Kojuryu um, with Miyagi and pick his brain about techniques. But in terms of seeing how karate was created, I would love to go with the unknown sensei um, who transitioned most probably the karate from the Chinese arts 
and other influences and see if my idea of karate so the tegumi and grappling application is the right way to do and if that really was this way or was it um just unstructured and it was nothing to do with grappling but i suppose we're never gonna know that and uh I stick to my stuff, but the first in line would be um, Hideyuki Ashihara. So another question from Nick, there's going to be quite a few of those because he's got a really, really good question. So what are some useful solo practice methods for working on body positioning and timing? So here we, we've got kind of a uh, many methods. It depends from which art you want it and which um, kind of focus on your karate so you can have a traditional one so it's gonna be a um, kata and then you can move on to some more modern ones um, so we've got a shadow boxing practicing your techniques in the air focusing on the proper body mechanics balance fluidity of movement visualizing an opponent and maintaining correct timing i do love this one and it's mainly the boxing one i love the fluidity of um work with the boxing and i would that um uh incorporate it with the next one which is the using of the mirror that you can observe and correct your form and this helps enhance body awareness and ensure that your movement are precise and well balanced so it's kind of the same with a kata you would do the kata um, with the mirror and you can see your positioning and stuff like that um, the thing we do it's kind of a <clears throat> sometimes do it with students in inspiring and stuff but performing techniques in a slow motion to em emphasize each, each phase of movement allowing you to concentrate on the body positioning weight distributions and timings and you can do it yourself and you can do it with with a partner um, the one thing which I learn uh, and helped me a lot, and I use it quite a lot for myself, we, we sometimes do it in the, in the, or I talk about it in the dojo, but um, there's no, there's lots of other things to do in the dojo when you train only twice a week. So I recommend this one doing at home is the visualization. And it's used in sports a lot, a lot, a lot of times, and it helps a lot. Um, so to closing your eyes uh, and mentally rehearse your techniques. Imagine the movements, positioning, and timing in detail. This can enhance the m m muscle memory and overall performance. And I felt it on myself uh, during the, my time in competitions that when you start, you know, imagine it, how it looks, you know, you hear the key, you feel the heat. Um, when you're hitting somebody, you imagine that sound, how it's going to be sounding, it, it helps a lot. Um, Focusing on footwork, so you can do all sorts of different drills with using the um, medicine balls, the weight plates, um, uh, tape on the floor. It just, you know, practicing that footwork patterns and transitions that help as well maintaining balance and um, setting up the effective techniques. Um, you can use the metronome, so if you're working in, especially in like a sports karate, you want the rhythm, so you can uh, have, have, have that giving you timing and beats, and you're going in, bum, 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 
for example. I like to use that on the on the uh, pad work when we go in instead of going very um, static rhythm, bum 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 bum, we're going bum 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 bum. So we're changing that um, timing and and the beats. Um, I think that's gonna be um, um, really clear for you because you're a musician. Nick is a musician, so I'm I'm sure he's gonna be um, um, familiar with that. Uh, the other one is a reaction training, so incorporation, incorpor incorporating um, reaction drills. Uh, you know, you've got the um, tennis balls, all sort of things, all sort of equipment at the moment. Um, and responding to imaginary strikes, so you can imagine that somebody's hitting you, bum bum, or just kind of in cutaways as well. But I like to use for this one uh, tennis balls and uh, uh, bags and sort of things, so stuff which moves and you have to avoid it and and, and doing. Uh, you can also do isolation drills, so breaking down complex movements into smaller components and kata is good in that as well. Isolating is isolate and practice specific parts of a technique. So let's say we take from kata get and barai and we're working on a grab, clearing the arm or maybe taking the leg. So you know, you can break down those bits from the kata and taking part, taking the pieces and, and see what fits and then create something bigger from that. You can, you know, gradually combine them in the improve overall coordination and timing. So same kata, you just do the chunks of the kata or you do, do the punching on the back with having a longer combination and you're taking it to smaller pieces. I also love to analyze the videos. That's why I often record the katas, often record the sparrings and stuff like that because you can see from outside what mistakes you make. We all know that when you spar, it feels completely different. The perception of time is different and you um working on things. But when you see it from the outside, it gives you that little clues, you know, oh, I could have this, do this earlier, could have done that later and, and, and so on. So that's why I always emphasize that if you go to sparring, have some plan, what you're working on today, because then you can have a feedback from people, you can have a feedback from videos and um, it helps overall to get better at it. Um, so you can do the interval training as well, um, alternating between high intensity and low intensity movements. This will help to develop explosive power and improve your ability to control timing doing the dynamic fighting so you know if you've got that um as a change of the rhythm you can put the pace up it's gonna help you with um fighting later you you can do that with the mirror with the drills you just go faster harder breaking it down it's gonna simulate as well the rhythm of the fight so um the, like every, with every training, consistency is is a a key, right? If you do different things for things, you need to keep up. You cannot do just oh one day I'm gonna do a shadow boxing, next day I'm gonna do this. Keep it up for I like to keep it for six weeks working on something because then you can see the adaptation and the changes. Um, but yeah, lots of things you can do um, to it. I've got few uh, favorites so. Combinations on bugs, 
Um, I like kata, breaking down the kata, the, the movements, which that's basically, basically based on what I teach on the seminars. And I like to shadow boxing and using the mirrors and the videos, plus the visualization. I hope um, that's that helps and, you know, we can discuss that in, in further details on, on the classes or on the seminars, if that's something of your interest. Question from Charlie. Um, what are your thoughts on the combat applications of karate? Um, just recently, in the past few years, we've seen karate fighters competing MMA very successfully. They're applying point fighting techniques and concepts in real fight. Do you believe that it's achievable for your average practitioner to be able to fight like that? Um, yes, I do believe that it's achievable um, if we put the effort, time, and you're in right age. Um, as you know, in MMA and all the other sport, um, combat sports, the age is the barrier. You know, a 40-year-old is a retiree person because of the recovery, because of the damages to the body, um, reactions come down, and so on and so on. Um, so you need to be geared. If anybody can be an athlete, high-performance athlete, no, because then if you could, everybody would be. And you need to have some predisposition, predispositions. Uh, you need to have some talent, obviously. But um, for like a medium competition, I don't see a problem. I think karate does the good job, especially the newer wave of people who do uh, more broad karate. So um, with throws, takedowns and a bit of a groundwork, um, punching, kicking and so on. Um, I think karate needs to um, go back to its roots and be more like MMA. Um, so train all the aspects of it a bit more instead of focusing on one. So we've got a specialization now in sports karate, specialization in katas, specialization in bunkais. If we put that back into the being one core element, you're going to see that it's more like MMA. So I think that uh, we're going to see more and more on karate people coming in and doing very well in the um, realms of MMA and different different aspects. And, you know, there's so much different um, ways to compete. You've got combat karate, you've got MMA, you've got um, one championships, you've got BJJ, you've got wrestling, you've got Vale Tudo and so on, so on, kickboxing. So the karateka can choose and modify their training to take part in any of those um, competitions. And I think we're going to see more and more karate people um, don't be ashamed of doing karate and coming out and and doing a great job um, of winning those tournaments. Um, I hope that that makes sense. And let's move, move on to the next question. Okay, we've got a question from Tom. And Tom is asking... Kicking for self-defense in a street attire, which kicks do and don't for a kicking in the streets? Um, so, um, for me, it's whatever you can pull off. I had a friend who could kick really high in jeans and use that practically all the time in the street. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here you said street attire um, and self-defense. 
uh, I wouldn't kick high. I, I use only one, and it is a uh, kind of outside my Gary um, with a stomping and just above the thigh. Um, I suppose knees work very well in close distance, um, and I like uh, low kick, but if it is a self-defense situation and I'm at distance, then I'm using my, that my, low migrate um, to take down the legs and then hands coming in. Um, I can see low kick working very well from a bit shorter distance. Um, if I have to, uh, using knees, close distance, both on thighs, body and head. Um, but usually... Um, from even the uh, sparring in a close distance, when you struggle and grapple and stuff, there's not much room for kicking and, and uh, kneeling. So it is very difficult and it's very personal. There are people who specialize in, in kicks and they can pull them off on the streets anytime. If there's right time and right opportunity, they will use it. Um, there are people who cannot kick to save themselves. Um, for me, Kicking low is uh, feasible. Kicking high is not because of my hips, and I would probably lose balance and stuff like that. As also, there is no time. But like I said, there's many people who can pull it off, and it's all very um, individual, and you need to um, see what you can do. Uh, I I've got my set of specially for self defense. I've got three four moves that I use those um, strictly for my self-defense and uh, they're kind of engraved that that's the only way we use under stress. Rest, rest for me is a sport and art and, you know, I'm not specializing in teaching self-defense so my ideas might be wrong but there's many people who uh, are well uh, more educated on the subject and, and got more authority on it but this is my idea of... Um, dealing with attackers and using my um, kicks. So my Gary, low kick and then knees if there is space and time for them and opportunity. So I got uh, another question from Nick. <clears throat> is there a modern training analog to sanching kata, sanching breathing? Uh, for example, do we witness this method being used in a different context in other modern sports training or is it unique to a karate? So while Sanchin Kata and Sanchin breathing is unique to karate, the concept of controlled breathing and isometric exercises can be found in various modern trainings across the different sports and activities. For example, in yoga and Pilates, you control breathing is a for controlling breathing is a fundamental aspect and breathing techniques are often combined with static and isometric exercise to enhance focus, stability, overall body awareness. Um, they're focusing a lot on that breathing and incorporating that into the um, training, not in such a aggressive manner as Sanchin uh, in karate. Also, it depends which um, breathing you look at because it's different styles got a different um, approaches to sanchin. Uh, why not? It's not exactly the same, but other martial arts and combat sports often incorporate specific breathing patterns with movement to 
improve endurance, focus and power. So, you know, it's, it's heavily reliant on, on breathing. And for example, in, in boxing, you've got different types of breathing as well, in different martial arts as well. Um, I like to uh, describe it as a, you know, shallow breathing in boxing and in our sparring as well, where you're using only a little bit of your um, lungs to keep the fuel coming in, but do not relax the muscles. So you've got that tension built in and that armor protecting your um, uh, solar plexus, ribs, and liver and spleen. In functional fitness as well, isometric exercises um, where muscles contract without joint movement and they are utilized in um, training. This exercise can be enhanced strength and stability, enhancing strength and stability. Um, so when you are, you see that often in the in a gym, people holding the breath um, or exhaling really, really hard when this is heavy, heavy lifts. And this is um, part of the same concept that the diaphragm actually works as a support for the spine. So it creates a uh, more support for the for, uh, um, spine from inside. And then you've got the body armor, so obliques, abs, supporting all that structure. So really tense and hard breathe out helps to support all the structure, which is utilized in uh, Sanchin as well. Um, the other other example would be that, uh, you know, in endurance sports, such as running and, and cycling, uh, controlled breathing technique is used for uh, improved oxygenation and endurance during prolonged physical activities. Because you learn of that deep breaths in and uh, pacing out the breath, it's easier to um, bring that in and support that um, exchange of um, the oxygen and CO2. Also, also the breathing is used um, and we use that in our dojo with the kind of um, more of a tension than sunshine, but you can use it as well to managing the stress. So that component of um, controlled breathing helps to manage the stress um, and techniques are very similar to um, sunshine breathing. So you breathe in, you hold it, then you forcefully breathe out. Breathe out is longer than the breathe in to um, exchange that um, gases and relax your mind. Um, as you know, sunshine kata is very um, rooted in traditional of karate. Elements of those practices have influenced and found um, reasons in various modern training methods. Um, the emphasis on controlled breathing, focus and isometric exercises um, aligns with principles that um, transcend specific martial arts and extend into the broader fitness and wellness practices. And I think they, you know, they, it's more and more recognize that a breathing exercise is good for you. We've got the Wim Hof method. Um, you've got the guys from BJJ doing a breath work. Uh, and I kind of started doing as well a little type of a breath work in, in the mornings. It's not sunshine, but, you know, 10 deep breaths, 10 breath outs. And, and a lot of my friends 
using the breathwork and have a great success in a um, improving the oxygenation of their body, um, clearing out the lungs, so helping with asthma and other conditions. And as well, they can hold the breath for much longer than they used to. So uh, either you're doing something or something else with breath work, um, it's a good stuff for you. And and in terms of karate and lifting weights, like I said, it's a very good uh, thing to do to get used to it, to have that support structures working together to support your spine and the whole body structure um, during the fighting, during lifting, whatever. If you can control that body, you're going to have better um, outcomes in, in martial arts. Question from John. What type of supplementation are you using to support your training? And this is a good question. So I, I haven't used much of a supplementation in the past, but last um, two years I've been trying different things um, to improve, especially the healing process and recovery process <clears throat> in, um, in my training. So the first thing which I'd done, it was trying the BCAA, uh, amino acids um, that didn't do much of a change um, I stopped taking those uh, <clears throat> I didn't see much improvement um, I see much improvement uh, after doing a f extra 40 grams of protein every day I'm using just whey protein powder so I use that I, I use the system um, 40 40 40 so 40 um, grams of protein, wait 40 minutes, workout for 40 minutes or an hour. Um, that works quite well for me. Um, I started taking a creatine uh, um, A to build up some muscle, um, working with kettlebells. And as well, um, the studies showing that it's great for improving a mental capacity and uh, thinking processes and preventing the Alzheimer and stuff like that. Um, so I start taking those um, and I see improvement in uh, muscle development. Um, definitely there is a difference between three years ago and a year now. A big change was to uh, cut down on sugar, uh, which actually I'm starting from tomorrow again. So this is just before a new year. So new year. Um, I hope you be uh, sugar clean because um, I tried that for at least eight weeks before and it was a huge difference to um, how my body feels and my knees was not, not painful at all. Uh, my joints was functioning better and I felt overall better after those six weeks. So I'm going to return to that. I suppose we've done a scientific um, test sort of. Um, so I went off sugar for six weeks, back on sugar, and it's back to feeling rough and tired. So that's gonna be another one. But I'm not sure if that supplement counts as supplementation or or just uh, healthy choices. Uh, I also start taking um, BPC one five seven. There are mixed opinions about it. Um, I read a lot of athletes. Uh, it helps them. Uh, I'm. I think it helps me, but I know I am prone to placebo. Um, I had that when I was younger and I had a problem with my knees and I've been prescribed 
glucosamine. Um, I took those, it always helped. Then I learned that actually glucosamine doesn't do much. Uh, but still, when I took glucosamine, I felt better knowing it's a placebo. So I know that my mind in that way can help. So uh, I hear um, lots of um, sports people, athletes saying that uh, BPC-157 helps them. Although they use using injections, I'm using tablets. So it might be just nothing in them except the powder. Um, but mentally it helps. So I do a 30 days uh, BPC-157, 60 days off, 30 days on BPC-157. Uh, and um, it seems to be working. Uh, I'm recovering from the injuries I had before and stuff. And recently I started as well using Magic Mind, which got the um, productivity shot. It's a mixture of... Um, mushrooms, ashwagandha, green tea, and um, it's really good. Uh, it's kind of slow release um, uh, caffeine with there as well, mixed with all the other ingredients would help me um, to wake up. You know, I don't have that uh, shot like I used to have around coffee that it's really rushed. And then um, my lips getting dry and... Um, I'm thirsty. With this one, with Magic Mind, is slow release, lasts for more hours. And um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it daily in the morning. It helped me to, to achieve stuff. And uh, they are kindly uh, join us on the podcast and support it. So if you would like to um, have a discount on uh, the website, buying product, you can use uh, my promo code um, anxiousbb 20 that will give you a 20% of a discount or you can go um, to their website um, www.magicmind.com slash anxiousbb and get a um, discount on the subscription where you can buy the products and um, try it. Um, I've tried it and it really helps me so I'll be continuing to using it regardless if they're going to be a supporting podcast or not. It's just a good product, I think. And I like how they operate. They are really um, a nice company and 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 I like it. So uh, also the other thing that really, really helped me um, is a cold shower. So I'm doing them uh, just over a year or maybe nearly a year. And I feel that... It does a lot good for my recovery. It does a lot of good for my um, release of dopamine. So, you know, it's a slow release. It helps you to go through the day. And I think mentally as well, getting out in the morning and the excuses kicking in that I don't want to do it. i putting off, you know, trying different things. I set up my phone, getting the music on, get in the shower, stay there for a couple of minutes, maybe three, four minutes, freezing cold, suffering, done what it's done. There's a sense of achievement and everything kind of helps. And that helps with um, going through the day that you know you've done that horrible thing in the morning, done and dusted. One achievement done, I can go and, and face the day. And um, yeah, I really, really enjoy it now. 
And uh, I wouldn't say that um, I'm enjoying the process of it, but I enjoy the mental state after achieving that first thing in the morning. Um, and it feels good. It feels good and it makes other things uh, uh, feel easier. So um, usually after that, I'm going for a run uh, three times a week and back to a kettlebell training. The other thing that uh, kind of I would tie in with the supplementation is a change of my footwear. So about, um, I don't know, nearly five years, four years, two years, can't really remember. Um, I started to switch to the barefoot shoes and that made a huge difference for my knees and my, my toes. I started to have a hallux um, big toe. So, you know, um, my bone spurs going out uh, sideways and the toe getting in, in, inverted. And after going bare feet with a white toe box through for a, must be two years, two years now or three years, um, my feet splay and that hallux toe is gone. Uh, there's a little bump, um, but it's way better than it was. And it gets every time, every month getting better. Although the problem is that I had to change my um, shoes. So go went for a um, size bigger now because the, my toes play so much that um, uh, it was uncomfortable to walk in uh, shoes from last year, particularly in winter shoes. Um, so yeah, so that adds to the supplementation as overall improvement of my life. Hope that uh, helps. I just would like to say that, you know, I am not a, a dietitian, doctor or health professional. So I do it, uh, I use the supplementation for myself. And before you're going to use anything, um, check out with the doctor, see what they think. And if won't harm you, especially the BPC-15 seven because um it's kind of a um some countries ban it some other countries countries didn't it seems to be legal in uk um so but you know do checks it's your own decision i don't recommend it or i don't um, discourage you to do it but i am not a health professional so it is not my advice just try consulting with a doctor and see what they say and um, make up your mind Question from Randall. Uh, Randall asks, what will your karate practice look like a decade decade from now? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I hope I'll be still able to train. Hope, hopefully nothing's going to um, get. Uh, I think I've done the most important transition already in uh, aging martial artists. I managed to realize that my body is a 40 over... 40 plus and my 20 year old in my head is not always right and I'm a bit more cautious now and don't do what my brain thinks I can do I kind of take it easy um, so I hope I will keep on listening to my body and don't get um, overwhelmed with the 20 year old inside so I hope in 10 years time I'm not gonna do anything stupid and uh, not get seriously injured um, Kind of, I'm I'm happy with with my training at the moment. Um, definitely, uh, I'm gonna be keeping up the 
switch from more is better to a light training but more often <clears throat> i'm hoping that uh, i'm gonna retain my um, physical ability and mental capacity um, i'm hoping that my group gonna grow and we're gonna have more people training together we um, definitely gonna stay with um, the way we're training in now so lots of grappling lots of striking lots of takedowns um, I will try to maintain um, the every training sparring light sparring because um, I am aware of danger that seeing with my friends and, and talking to my friends who are getting into their 50s and 60s that uh, drop off the testosterone causing them to drop the level of sparring because they have nothing to prove and there's no drive from within um, to fight. So I hope that uh, my team and myself gonna be keep maintaining that um, testing environment and pressurizing each other and, and keep, keep fighting, keep going and keep improving. Um, I definitely gonna focus more on the longe longevity, longevity, um, taking care of my body. So I already transitioned as well to like um, body weight exercises, mobility work, and stuff like that. So I can be as mobile as possible. Um, and hopefully, um, I'm gonna be even better um, coach. So you know, constantly learning, focusing on the brain development. And I hope that I'm going to be um, having uh, more people in my dojo training with me and getting better. So the main goal for next 10 years is to not lose, to not lose my physical abilities and mental capacity. Um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but uh, I'm pretty happy what we do, how we do. And um, I hope that's going to stay as long as possible in that way. And hopefully 10 years and beyond, we continue training as we train now. Okay, last question from Nick for, for this podcast. It is, are there any common remedies for maintaining health, functioning fit? Example, treating blisters and calluses, strengthening the foot muscles, toe and ankle mobility. So, um with the blisters and calluses, uh, obviously I've got a similar problem, my heels cracking and they mainly crack when I'm dehydrated. If I'm drinking more water than usual, my feet are okay. I don't have a blisters and I don't have a cracked heels, but then the drawback is I'm going to toilet much oftener. But I'm using a cream and lotion, so you know, um, every morning and evening I put a cream on my feet, um, I'm using a uh, Tropics. I found that they're working the best for my from for me. And one of our friends is the um, kind of representative for them. So my wife buys it. So I just tell her, get me some of the stuff. It it does um, helping me and it helps calluses. And uh, I like to um, soak my feet as well and trim off the dead skin so this is kind of quite of um, a big big
big thing for me because every time I can stop doing it for a few weeks, my feet are just getting um, really cracked and I don't like the feeling. It's it's really, really painful. So I use those, you know, soak my feet in like a soapy water, trim all the dead skin, put the moisturizer, um, and that helps a lot. As well with the blisters, if the feet get used to it, especially if you have a break, you're coming back, the, the feet just get used to used to used to it and um uh it's getting better with the time um also it's lots of people um suffering with the, like a corns and stuff like that so um uh i use the corn plasters it usually removes it or freezing stuff um and from then to time i've got the one persistent corn that keeps coming back so i'm doing that um as well in uh, kind of Preventing the infections, as you probably have seen, I always wipe the floor with the uh, antibacterial wipes or sprays with a mop. Um, hopefully that helps um, to stop the fungi and infections and stuff like that. Although, you know, in Dodgers in UK, having a super clean floor is a challenge. But we're trying the best what we can do. And I always make sure that when I come back, um, I'm kind of... Um, washing up my feet and, and using like athlete foot um, spray um, to help to keep those um, fungi at bay and stuff like that. So uh, for a for a feet, uh, for me, barefoot shoes, like I mentioned before, I'm going to put the link to my video about my barefoot shoes in the description, um, but it changed completely how my feet working and uh, I had a, my right foot, like I said on the on the video, um, had an operation, so my foot is not in the right place, and I've been advised to have uh, inserts in the shoes, which um, helps stabilize my foot, but got my deep muscles in the foot lazy, and I used to have a pain like a, a plantar fasciitis. Um, since I'm going bare feet, I don't don't have it, and I stopped having a, a tire feet. Um, in terms of exercises, you've got um, loads of very different exercises. The ones I like, it's like curling up with your toes, the piece of paper. So bringing them in and arching the foot, that helps with it. I like rolling my foot on a, on a ball, tennis ball, which is super painful if you do it properly um, to loosen up that um, muscle, deep muscles in the foot. Um, I like to do a... Uh, standing on toes so you're going up and strengthening the calf muscle and I kind of would be easier to show than um, describe it but uh, you kneel down and put one of your feet up and the line from your knee to your toes is straight um, when you're on top of your toes and you're lifting yourself down and up, putting the whole body pressure, whole body weight, sorry, on that one foot. It strengthens a lot the foot, um, which um, helps with these muscles. Um, you know, being a regular in checking your feet, so, you know, inspecting your feet for any size of issues, cuts, sores, or changing in your skin color, um, then you can go and see the foot doctor and, and see if they can help you if it's something beyond, um, you know, 
creaming and cutting of the excess stuff and you know just listen to your body and um, um, pay attention to it if you need to check with a doctor go to a podiatrist um, try different things with the different shoes whichever works for you again I am not a physician I'm just saying from my own experience um, and maybe I'm gonna make a video on uh, I think I've got a video on the uh, foot mobility and restoring the mobility but maybe I need to do one um, on a foot strength and put it next year into the um, Patreon so thank you for for that idea I will note it and we'll give that a go question from Alex um, question for you Les what the most weirdest question you've ever been asked on for karate and karate for mental health. Um, gosh, that's a difficult one. Uh, in in terms towards a karate for mental health, um, weirdest question I had. Um, I think some people thinking that um, it will cure all the problems and um, as I say it, it is not a therapy in on its own um, it's a supplement to a therapy so the the training helps with uh, mental health but it's not a cure um, so you got a proper treatment if you suffer with anything and all the physical activity helps through you know boosting your your um, dopamine levels tiring, relieving stress and giving a brain a rest. Um, a strange thing, strange question about karate in overall. Um, there's quite a lot of them. I can't really remember which one would be the weirdest. But, you know, people associate karate with chopping boards and, you know, asking how many boards you can chop. And um, uh, I'm actually not big on the breaking stuff, so I'm not, not really really good and but the always the weirdest one i think is you know show us your moves wherever you go um and kind of for a long time didn't mention i do karate because the straight away people oh you're gonna show us you you're a black belt you can win everything and you know show us some moves you know we're on a in a pub and something oh show us your moves and stuff like that so that's kind of always um gets me a little bit embarrassed and um i don't really like to show off and stuff like that so i don't usually talk about karate if i'm not with karate people um because i just don't feel comfortable because i know that it's gonna come up to a you know show us your moves or somebody um says oh i've done karate in in 20 years ago or in uh, preschool or something and oh, i'm gonna show you my moves and then you kind of get you just sigh and okay could we have a just drink or eat instead of um going over it um so as much as i appreciate people interest in it it always leads to a question show us your moves and stuff like that which i'm not very happy um to do but the weirdest ones i didn't have any weird ones i'm sure there's people who've got the more weird questions um if you've got any weird questions guys let me know drop in the comments um comment on facebook or whatever you've been listening to this and um Let's do a compilation of a weird questions for karate. I think that would be a good idea. 
And here we are, the last question of uh, the podcast um, sent by Luke. Um, what are your aims for next year other than to train with me? Obviously, smiley face. Uh, look, it's always great pleasure to train with you and, and Brian's team. Uh, you're such a nice people. Um, that is always a nice to train with you guys. And I always look forward to, to training with you guys. Um, so for next year, uh, it's going to be quite busy year. Um, in plans, we've got uh, lots of seminars and the bookings come in uh, nearly daily. Um, we're going to be teaching with Brian together on pads. I'm going to be uh, teaching with Ian Abernathy, with Don Kame. Um, Christian Vedevart, Ken Knight comes as well this year, which I'm looking forward to this one. Um, it's always nice to bring people from the other side of the world and um, I learn from them, especially that Ken is such a nice guy and I really enjoy his philosophical aspects. So this seminar is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have a brewing budo, so you're going to have a room um, hired. We're going to sit down, have a cup of tea, beer or whatever you you fancy and we're gonna go talking philosophical stuff i hope that's gonna work well um alongside the uh, physical activities but mainly um doing seminars we have a range of a geese coming out um so i i say that all the time that it's such much hassle i won't do it but there's so many of you um asking me about it so it's the fourth time I'm putting a uh, order for a geese. So if you want a gi, um drop me a line. And those who pre-order them, um, it's a little bit cheaper than when they go into the shop. We're also working on a couple other projects. Um, so in January, we're starting to design a bespoke female gi. Uh, I've got the six lovely ladies, um, instructors around the UK who helping me with that. Um, we've got a gi, we're going to cut it up and uh, fit all the features they recommended to have and we see how that's going to go. I hope that's going to be a good stuff because um, there's a niche in the market for that. Not many people do geese and if they do geese for women, they're super crazy expensive. So I hope I'm going to be able to do it cheaper and custom made so they can choose the sizes and specific for them. So trousers separately, gi separately, and they're gonna have features that the uh, instructors um, promptly uh, send it to me. And I hope that we can manage to do a compromise that's gonna be fitting everything else. We're gonna have a uh, MMA shorts uh, hopefully we're working on a design. I'm waiting for a test one. So hopefully that's going to be uh, soon available as well. Also, we um, I'm toying with now with the idea of a rush guard. And we've got one more project. And I will not talk much about it because um, it was brought to my attention. And I don't see anybody else doing things like that. So I don't want to give people ideas, but uh, we're going to have a product um, that I hope it's going to be a game changer for women again. Um, but that's that's in the work. I'm definitely going to be focusing on um, getting more people in the dojo. 
um, as we're growing slowly, steady, steady, but slowly, which I prefer than having a lot of people who come in and go. I'd rather have a people who know what they want coming in. They are from quite experienced martial artists, either had the experience before, they may be coming from the club looking for something more than just being in the lines and mixing air. They want to be in contact, partner work, and they really know what they want. So I'm going to be pushing that forwards. Um, as always, promoting the Karate for Mental Health and working with organizations. I've got several projects in the pipeline um, that I hope going to work with um, local government here and few charities. So I hope that's going to um, work out as kids are in school now, so I've got more time during the day. And I would like to make karate my full-time job, um, especially helping people through karate with their mental health, disabilities and stuff like that, providing sessions for different organizations. One thing I will try to focus more on is to improve the quality of that podcast. Um, so trying to do less mm, ah, mm, and speak clearly. I'm going to be doing more. I dedicated one day a week to doing a script and working on my pronunciation and coming across more friendly and more clear. So I hope that uh, you guys who listen going to enjoy it more and you're going to share with others and it's going to be growing. Although we're nearly at 10,000 listens on that podcast, which is a... A big step, big little step for me. Uh, I know it's a drop in the oceans compared to people um, who've running professional podcasts. This is not professional. Um, this is just me having fun. But I would like to make it a bit better quality. So maybe some more um, better equipment. Like I said, working on my speech, um, working on a clarity of material and coming up with the interesting topics. I'm going to as well focus more on a, making more videos for Patreon. We've got 20-something um, people supporting me through that means, which I'm very, very grateful. And I will try to do a better job, do interesting content, and especially for Patreon-only uh, content in relation to karate, fitness, and so on and so on. If you've got any suggestions, I would love to hear them. So drop me a message. What you would like to hear on the podcast, what you would like to see on the Patreon. Um, again, for Patreon, I would like to do uh, some giveaways. So as soon as we get the um, rush cards, trousers, and so on, we're going to um, do a giveaway. It was great success with the hats. Um, people like the hats. They're selling quite well. So it's going to be good. So definitely use um, those sales to support the Karate for Mental Health project we're running in Guildford where Danny and I teach together um, free classes. Although I think we're going to change the structure of it and we're going to be charging minimal fee of like 10 pounds or six weeks or a term because it looks like uh, if it's a free classes, people seems to be not value it. 
So we got a comparison there. We're doing a pad work and stuff like that on Tuesdays. And there is a group doing pad work on Wednesdays. We have it for free. They're doing a 30 pounds a month. They've got about 10 people. We've got five. And it seems to be they're doing better. So I think if you pay money in, you value it more. Um, our perception is that it is better. So I don't know how that's gonna work, but I will try. Gonna try to do more promotion on it and do some different changes of the structure. Um, so it's more interesting for people and brings people from outside. But the main thing is that uh, Dan has got the work experience and can put it on the CV that he's a assistant instructor, and um, he earns some um, little money for it in forms of discounts for uh, his classes and, and so on. Um, so that is one of the goals. Um, and overall, just stay healthy, um, keep doing what I'm doing, keep enjoying the seminars, keep meeting uh, friends, train with you guys and um, hopefully meet more of you, make more new friends, have a good time. There's quite a few good seminars like Bunkai Bash, um, Karate for Mental Health, obviously, few seminars with Don, few seminars with Ian, Christian, and so on, Ken, like I mentioned before. Um, I'm going to be teaching in Reading, I'm going to be teaching in Wokingham, possibly, um, Cornwall. Um, yeah, so it looks very busy, very, very busy. Obviously, if you would like to have a seminar with me, please um, get in touch. I'm available. I've got only 16 seminars this year, so there's still time and space to fit a bit more. Um, and we'll see how it goes. So thank you very much for listening. I wish you a um, happy new year. I hope you're going to be celebrating it with friends, family. It's going to be joyous time and your dreams come true. And whatever goals you set yourself for uh, 2024, that will come to a fruition. I firmly believe that if you set your mind on something, use positive thinking, um, you will achieve your goals. And we're all going to be enjoying it 2024, no matter what it throws at us. Um, I think it's going to be a good year. Um, yeah, so wishing you all the best. Until the next time.